Welcome to the Spotlight. I am your host, Ben Beck, and this is year number seven of this program. You know, over the past six or seven years, this program has morphed and evolved into what it is today, what it's been for the past couple years. You know, it started as a as a news entertainment show online with my former co-host, Adam, where we did segments and... Segments turned into having interviews with guests. Guests turned into conversations. Eventually, Adam left, and it came became one-on-one with myself. And, you know, that's the way it's been for the past couple years. And here we are, year number seven. We've had approximately almost 200 guests. And I say we because I still include Adam in a lot of that, even though it is just myself now. And, you know almost 200 guests and I I want to keep that going. So here we are year number 7. We're going to keep it going. Uh, and I couldn't think of anybody better to start this new year with than John Wesley Ship. You would know John from the Flash back in the 90s and now currently portraying Jay Garrick in the new CW Flash as well as Stargirl, which is going to be coming up, which you're going to hear John and I talk a lot about both of these shows. But you would know John, from, of course, from Dawson's Creek, As the World Turns, Santa Barbara, Guiding Light, uh, so many projects. John John and I have a history in that I've had him on a previous pod, another podcast that I had uh, which he was there. He always was very generous with his time when he came on. So I had to have him on the spotlight because he's just a wonderful guest. And he helps me kick off this season. We're going to talk a lot. Of, you're going to hear it about The Flash, Stargirl, the current state of the country right now and how it is for actors to you know, to be in this current state when it comes to guidelines and restrictions for shooting, attending conventions and things like that. So I want you to enjoy this because I really did, and I I really hope that you do. I'm rambling because, you know, this is my first time doing this in almost 18 months because of the state, the way things are. But I have a lot planned for Season 7, for Year 7. I've got a couple guests lined up already. I'm still lining up more, so you're going to see announcements. Uh, <clears throat> huge thanks to John for being so generous with his time and a huge thanks to his assistant JC JC always makes it happen anytime I reach out to him to have John on a show JC makes it happen so special thanks to JC special thanks to John uh, and I want you to make sure you you gear up and you watch season 2 of Stargirl which is going to be airing on CW August 10th uh, which is right around the corner from the time that you're you're probably listening to this or the time that we heard it. Uh, go back and rewatch The Flash if you want to which is available on CW Seed as well as uh, places that you can buy it on video on demand. And then of course for myself uh, you can follow this podcast and I encourage you to do so on social media the fa- uh, on Facebook the Spotlight NXT, which is where you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter, uh, the Spotlight NXT. And you can follow me personally as well now. I am Ben Beck on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
So enough from me. I'm rambling on. I want to get to this interview, to this conversation rather, and because it's so good. I couldn't think of a better way to kick off this season. So ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy this conversation with one of my favorite people on the planet. And you, you will hear that in this conversation. The one and only John Wesley Ship. Enjoy. My guest this time around is somebody who I've, I've had the great pleasure of speaking with multiple times on a previous podcast. Uh, this is the first time, though, he's joining me here on the spotlight, and I couldn't be more excited. You'd know him from shows such as Dawson's Creek, the original Flash television series, more recently from his award-winning podcast, Powder Burns, uh, or, of course, his return to the DC television universe with his portrayal as the Golden Age Flash, my personal favorite, Jay Garrick. I could not think of anyone better to join me here on my seventh year premiere. Please welcome one of my favorite people, John Wesley Ship. Hi, Ben. Thanks. Congratulations on your episode 701. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I mean, it, the show was under a little hiatus as most of the world was <laughs> under. Absolutely. Kind of a hiatus. I haven't done any episodes of this probably in about probably close to like 18, 19 months because of everything that was going on. Yeah. And, but I'm happy to be back to it. And like I said, I, I'm so happy that you're the one that I get to, to kick this off with. Thanks. Yeah. I, I mean, when I try to think back what happened when I just take a year and cut it out, it's like <laughs> everything yeah. seems like something two years ago feels like one year ago, you know, because yeah. that whole yeah. middle section was just obliterated. And we try not to think about it too much just because it's, you know, it's kind of rough. It was just, it's, we're still kind of currently strange times in our country right now because yes. of everything that's going on. Um, but, you know, before we jump into everything, you know, obviously we're talking about this, but how have things been for you? You're living, I know you're on the East Coast. I don't want to say specifically where you live in case you don't want it known, but you live in a very populated area of the country where that's been in the news because of everything that's been going on. How have things been for you with everything? Well, you know, it was you know, the main hardship for me at the beginning was when they closed everything down, including the gyms, because I put on about 20 pounds in about a month and a half. Yeah. You know, no, 30, 30 <laughs> pounds. And then of course, you know, when we rounded the fall and coming into the winter and then I got the call from Jeff Johns about maybe doing star girl. And I'm thinking, Oh my God, they're thinking about putting me back in a suit. I'll never fit. And so I had to, I had to do my, uh, count my points and rigid eating and all of that. And then, uh, uh, I dropped the 30 pounds, was able to take that back off. But right now in the East coast, you know, we don't know what's happening. Uh, uh mayor is going to institute what I think is a very good thing, which is, uh, a, a vaccination mandate to go mm -hmm. to restaurants, movie theaters, and gyms, which I think is great. And it really depends on where you go. I go to one gym, and everybody's wearing their masks, as is recommended. I was at a different gym today, and me and one other guy were wearing masks. So, you know, I don't know what people are reading or not reading, but it's uh, certainly, it seems like we're headed into uh, another, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say stressful zone, but another where we have to be very aware 
yeah. of yeah. ourselves and others and protecting our own health and, uh, and the health of others. Yeah, I, fo- I, you know, I follow you on social media, you know, such as Facebook and, and things like that. And I know we we share a lot of very similar opinions about everything that's happening right now, both politically and scientifically with everything that's happening. I agree with you completely. Um, you know, where I where I am on the East Coast, I'm down in I'm, I'm in Philadelphia and I know they're talking the same thing about the the vaccine mandate to go to restaurants and theaters and gyms. And I'm I'm right there with you. I feel like it's something that needs to be done. And I feel like, you know, if if you're somebody who's gotten the vaccine, which I have, I've been fully vaccinated since March, it's it shouldn't be oh, an me issue. Too. Yeah. Right on. You know, well. yeah. Yeah. Virtual <laughs> fist bump. There we go. It's you know, it's uh, it's something that if you are fully vaxxed, it shouldn't be a concern at all. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I feel like there's so much misinformation. I'm glad we're talking about this because to have a, an outlet where you have listeners, I feel like I have a responsibility to kind of share information. And I, if there are listeners out there that feel opposite and feel like the vaccine is a hoax or, the, or is, you know, not trusted enough or the COVID's a hoax, whatever, they can have their own opinions as wrong as they may be. Uh, but it's very important that, you know, the scientific facts be heard and be followed rather than just all the other misinformation that's out there. Right. Now. Right. Right. There's so much of it. There was a talk show on and they were talking about this situation and the host was saying, talking about this imaginary constitutional right not to wear masks mm-hmm. and how a mask mandate was somehow, you know, uh, trampling on your constitutional rights. And they said, well, I have a right not to wear a mask. And the guest very smartly said, well, I have a right to get on an airplane knowing that everyone on that airplane is vaccinated against, uh, uh, you know, a pandemic and that I can feel safe traveling. So that's my right. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it's uh, it's tricky times. I'm, it's so unfortunate that it was politicized so heavily at the beginning because it's really not, as Biden has said, it was developed under Trump. It's disseminated under Biden. It's not a partisan issue. It's a matter of your health and the health of your loved ones. And particularly with this new variant, the health of your children. Yeah. So I hope everybody, you know, can leave all that Michigas behind and just sort of do the right thing. I, I agree. I mean, it's, be, it's become almost sadly laughable at times to hear like, you're right. Like Biden, it was developed under Trump, administered, uh, you know, um, administered under Biden and distributed under Biden. And it just, it makes me laugh that, you know, you trusted it when Trump was developing it, but now that Biden's the one distributing it, now you have a problem with it and it's not, you know, but Again, it's it's diving too much into politics and it's it's just which brings us back to the wonderful world of (laughs) pop culture. Yes. Where we all get to disagree (laughs) and nobody has to leave the room and everybody can still have interactions based on our mutual love of this pop cultural art form. Absolutely. I couldn't have said that better myself. Uh, You know, diving into the flash, you know, you were talking about how Jeff Johns gave you the call about coming to Stargirl. And, uh, you know, before we get into Stargirl, which is going to be debuting next week at the time that we're recording this. Yes. uh, The last time we saw you before Flash just wrapped up its season, we saw you as Earth 90 uh, Barry Allen making the ultimate sacrifice for, you know, during Crisis on Infinite Earths, which was, I know we had you on the DC Primetime podcast shortly after that. And we, you know, we spoke about how sad that was. And like, I, like I got emotional at that moment. 
but it left a lot of fans who were fans of yours very curious as to, okay, well, when are we going to see John portray Jay again? Because that version of Barry Allen was written off in a swan song. Jay Garrick was on a different earth and all the other earths were destroyed. So now where does that leave us? I couldn't have been more excited to see you pop up in that flash yeah. two part finale. Absolutely. With my speed back. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, great. You, when they gave me that cane in episode six, that worried me. I was like, OK, we know he's getting older. We know he's not the fastest flash, but let's not cripple him. <laughs> yeah, let's not take so, away everything about him. So when I found out he's coming back, he has his speed back, and there's going to be an interesting interaction set up for season eight between him and Bart. I was like, count me in. Because, you know, I was hoping for a uh, mentor-protege relationship with Wally, and that didn't happen. They wrote a different uh, direction. Mm -hmm. And Wally was being wrongly instructed by uh, Tom Cavanaugh's character instead of. So I'm hoping to get to play. And there's been talk of my my being able to mentor uh, Bart a little bit since they're laying in that we're very much alike. That Jay was very impulsive at the beginning and had to work through his impulses and become wiser that you don't all the time go out on the first impulse that you have to sometime take your hats off, you know and let a situation play out. So those two things were very attractive to me coming back. Yeah, I mean, it, it was so much fun seeing your return uh, because like you said, we saw Jay Garrett come back. He's got his speed back. But in addition to that, he also kind of got a little bit of a boost at, at during that finale as well uh, from Michelle Harrison's version of That's the right. Force. So who I've had Michelle on the podcast before, too, and she's so delightful. I love I love going to get to talk to her and seeing you and or seeing her portray, you know, Jay Garrick's wife on the show is is just as much fun to watch as well. But we saw Jay Garrick return with the speed in addition to excess coming back. And like you mentioned, the introduction of Bart Allen, which was just a, a ton of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great, uh, it's going to be a great storyline to pursue. And we're certainly set it up. Jordan Fisher uh, beautifully laid in this feeling that there was a deep bond between him and who he calls Uncle Jay, mm -hmm. you know, and that the reason he's come back all these years is because in the future, Jay, I don't want to give everything away, but he comes back to undo something tragic that happens in the future because of this bond that he feels for Jay based on a lived history that Jay Garrick hasn't experienced yet, mm -hmm. which is such an interesting contract because here's this kid. And I was thinking, okay, it's going to be up to him to sell this closeness because my Jay Garrick hasn't lived it yet. I don't know that it's there. And when he's telling uh, his sister about Uncle Jay and all of this and getting emotional. And then when he sees Jay for the first time, it's like, Jay's a little confused by it. Okay. Uh, all right. Oh, oh, yeah. I'm not giving anything away. It's already been on the air. Yeah, yeah. And it's already he, aired. <laughs> he says like, uh, oh, uncle. Okay. Well, that's new. It's, uh, I like it, you know. And he's getting this intense energy off this kid, which feels great, but he doesn't really know why yet. But I thought Jordan sold that so beautifully. Uh, I believed every word of his scene with Nora, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then the scene with me where I'm telling him 
give him the iconic line. It's time to take our hats off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, it's one of those things I liked, you know, in addition to, like I said, excess returning, your character returning and the introduction of of uh, of Bart as impulse. You know, there were those subtle hints up until before they even revealed his name as impulse was because in the conversations they were having, calling him impulsive, acting on his impulses. And I, every time I heard that word, I just chuckled. I'm like, well, that's his name. Like, I totally get where they're laying the groundwork for him to be this character. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, some, that's actually a dynamic I didn't even really think of until you just brought it up in the fact that it, it was actually Jordan that had to do a lot of the heavy lifting in those scenes because he was the one that had to make the relationship believable because your version didn't know what it was yet at that point. My, my, yeah. And if anything, um, I didn't realize that we had that relationship. So I love that the writers wrote in when I'm telling him not to go running out there that, you know, we may not know why, but if Barry says stay here, no matter what, he has a reason. Mm -hmm. And I love that they threw in, look, we just met. All right. You got no reason to listen to me, but we both know Barry, you know, and if yeah. he tells us to stay seated, you know, it's time to take our hats off. I thought, well, that's great because it reinforces the fact that Jay hasn't lived it yet. And that Bart is coming from a lived history that Jay hasn't experienced. And I love playing with those constructs. Yeah, and playing on that connection, the, the commonality of the connection with Barry, rather, you know, using that as, like you said, as that connection between the two, you said, you know, Jay addressing the Bart, you may not know me, but we know Barry. Right. Uh, you know, using that commonality to connect with a character he just met at the same time. And that's also, it's interesting to set up if they choose to pursue it and if Jordan's available, if everything works out, set it up that, that maybe, you know, sometimes we have a conflict with our own dads, but we can find an uncle or a friend or a relative mentor figure that maybe we're more alike, which is what they're laying in that Jay and Bart are much more alike. So sometimes we might, you might have a conflict with your own dad. Mm -hmm. You would go to your mentor figure who you think maybe understands you a little bit better. Well, I hope there's a payoff to that. We'll see in season eight. Yeah, I, I do as well. I know, you know, post-crisis, I, I felt cr like Crisis on Infinite Earths was something that, you know, we, we were really anticipating. And I know the way that that, that four-part finale wrapped up felt like such great closure for a lot of these shows. To the yes. point where I, I will personally admit there's actually a couple shows I stopped watching after Crisis because I felt such a sense of closure. I kind of didn't want to ruin that sense. Um, but Flash is the one I continued with after oh. Crisis just because I love the character so much and I love the, the ensemble cast that comes along with it. Uh, you know, even though we got the saddening news of Carlos Valdez leaving this season... Yes. Uh, you know, Tom Cavanaugh, I believe, said he was he was leaving this season as well. But we're still getting additional characters, like you said, Jordan Fisher, seeing your return. So the ensemble is still there, even without some of those characters. But I continue to watch The Flash, even post-crisis, because I love the show as much as you do. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what they follow through with in season eight. I know I, I know you can't reveal too much, but has there been talks of Jay coming back for next season? Yes, in fact, okay. uh, I think they've already, I think they've already announced that. Okay. 
that will be back. I hope they have, but you know, <laughs> if not, surprise. Yeah, um, <laughs> exclusive. But, uh, yeah, yeah, they've already. When uh, when Eric Wallace, our wonderful producer, executive producer, uh, was spinning out these stories for my return in episode seventeen and eighteen of season seven, which we just aired, uh, he was spinning out this whole circumstance with a payoff looking forward in season eight. So I know that that's the plan. Anything can change at any time for a variety of reasons, but I'm looking forward uh, to the fact that in its initial original pitching it to me, uh, it was, it's there. Okay. I, I can, I can tell you too, there was almost a sense of comfort in hearing Bart call you Uncle Jay. Oh, yeah. Uh, because one, it connected your character more to, to, that, the to the family. But at the same time, as a fan and somebody who, who loves seeing you appear on the show, it kind of was almost a sense of comfort to know that Jay's going to be around for a long time. So there's always opportunities for John to reappear yeah. in the series as it goes forward. Yes. You know, yes. so and I think it's interesting also think of the dynamic. Of course, you don't want to get too heavy. It's at its root. It's an action adventure comic book. It's a ride at the amusement park. One thing Flash has been able to do, though, is balance that with the heart to heart moments and the emotional content. And I think mm-hmm. at its best, that's one thing that that Flash does really well. But you, you think about the possibility of a, 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 a situation in which Jay Garrick, who looks just like. Barry's dad is closer in some instances to Barry's son than Barry is. That there's a connection between the two of them that maybe even Jay and Barry don't have. And yeah. what does that, how does that, how does that play? What does that bring up for the different characters? But uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. You talked about Michelle Harrison. I'm scared of her. <laughs> I'm scared of her now. I was like, you know, someone said, Oh no, they saw a picture of us together. They were like, and she was dressed as speed force. They said, be careful around her. Watch out for her. <laughs> we had uh th- this is going back up a couple of years, but I I moderated a panel with Michelle. Um, and um oh, for the life of me, I can't remember the actor who played uh Eobard Thawne before Tom Cavanaugh. Did. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, um of course. God, yeah. of course, now that you ask me. I know now I can't it's it's blanking now my that head. You ask me. I, but it's ugh. but I, I had a I had a fun uh a panel with them uh at a at a convention in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And then we we followed through with an interview. We actually interviewed her at her table a little bit later on. And her panel became fun because as we were interviewing her, Brett Dalton from Agents of Shield happened to crash the panel. Matt Lesher. Matt yep. Yeah. So it, it became this it became this this fun instance where, you know, as we were interviewing Michelle, Brett Dalton crashed it and then Matt Lesher crashed it. And it just yes. it was it was so much fun. <laughs> but, you know, going back to to the moment you what you were talking about, about that play on how Jay looks like Barry's dad. We, we and, sometimes forget that, you know, the further we get away from it. Yeah. Yeah, but I really enjoy how the show plays on that, too, because there's even a moment with you looking at Nora, the Speed Force version of Nora, and playing into that, yes. that he that she looks like your wife from. from uh, that's your right. Life. You look like someone very close to me. Of yes. course, it was important for me not to be because the way it was written, you would almost think, 
uh, Jay was, uh, you look like, uh, hello, ma'am, I was thrown off. But, you know, I was like, now we're clear that Jay knows all about the speed force and Jay knows that the speed force takes different forms. So he's not surprised at this as much as he is wondering what the speed force is up to by assuming the, sh the, the shape of his wife, if there's any significance to that, you know, mm -hmm. so that colored the way that line was delivered. I mean, and he's somebody as well, too, that's seen enough that if he sees somebody who happens to look like his wife, it's it's not too jarring like that. He has to step back and be like, OK, what is what is going on here? He kind of accepts it, even though it's not explained as in like, OK, yeah, I know this. There's something about this that and he has to and he knows I think it's important. He knows the speed force because he's not the fastest speedster anymore. Although, as you said, he gets a he gets a jolt. Uh, from uh, from the speed force in that scene. Uh, but, uh, you know, if he has something to offer, it's it's his wisdom. It's his experience. You know, he uh, that's what he would bring to the team, you know, mm -hmm. in the role of a mentor as a partner. And that's a, another thing I enjoyed so much about 717, 718. It was the most integrated and central to the action that I felt as Jay Garrick since uh, uh, Enter Flash Time in season four. Which is still such an amazing episode. Like it's still yes, one it of my favorite episodes. Yes. Of that show. I, yeah, I, I've, I know one thing I'd be curious to see if they- With the hat, Sterling Gates. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think one of the things I would like to see them kind of explore a little bit into season eight, and I don't know if this is something they've already talked to you about or maybe something you might even suggest at some point is, you know, we know there are some characters who know about crisis and everything that happened. But for the most part, many other people have no idea because when the Earths were recreated, they have no recollection of of crisis. I'd be curious to see if Jay is somebody who knows or is somebody who's eventually told <clears throat> what his take on it would be. That's interesting. That's very and, interesting. You know, because it, it's not something that's been revealed yet at this point because it wasn't essential to the story for you yeah. know, for 17 and 18. But right. I'd be curious to see if that's something that would come up in the future. Suddenly his town is on Earth Prime. Yeah. 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 I, what's oh, yeah, the name of that city? I can't remember it. What's the name of their city where Joan and Jay live? Oh. Uh, because Carlos at some point says, yeah, I went over to so-and-so city, which lets everybody know that Jay and Joan have come to earth prime, but I yeah. can't think of the name of the city. Oh, well, yeah, I can't remember it. You'd think I, <laughs> you'd, you'd think as much of an, like, you know, as much as I love this, the series and the characters, I would remember that, but you can't remember every piece of information. Somebody, so. a lot of listeners out there are screaming. It's so-and-so <laughs> you <Yeah>. idiot. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. I'll get, I'll get emails and messages from Facebook. It's fine. Uh, I'll apologize for both of us when they, when they thank come you, through. Thank you. Thank uh, you. You know, we talked about at the top of the podcast, too. You're going to be coming over to they made the announcement recently that Jay Garrick is coming to Stargirl and you're going to be portraying Jay Garrick. I know there's not too much you can talk about because of the fact that it hasn't aired yet. They, they like to keep a lot of this as a surprise to the listeners. But yes. I I can tell you right now, you know, I, I'm a fan of Stargirl. I watched season one. I'm excited for season two. When they introduced a lot of these Golden Age characters in the first season of Stargirl, you know, and Jay Garrick was mentioned, I kind of got a little excited because I was like, well, I hope it's John. Like, I hope if they ever bring 
Jay into this to this world in this universe because it is a different Earth. It is Earth too. Uh, I'd be interested to see if they bring John in to portray the character, and then we got the announcement that indeed that's what's happening. Yeah, I wondered when they mentioned Jay Garrick, and then they showed the mural. And there's all the superheroes and Jay just happens to be sort of in the crease in the mural and his face is blurred. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, I don't want to, you know, <laughs> I don't want to infer too much from this about this, but I wonder what they're up to. And then I actually got the call first from Eric Wallace. Apparently he had had a conversation with Jeff, who, of course, I've been I've felt very close to since the very first episode of the CW Flash. He was there for my return. He was the first uh, member of the new team for the new Flash that I met in New York in February before I went to uh, before I went to shoot the pilot. So I felt very close to him. So I, 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 Eric said, I just had a conversation with Greg and uh, Jeff, and he said, uh, you know, you think John would be interested in? And I'm like, why didn't he call me? <laughs> it's like, you know, we're friends. I said, and of course I would be interested. I think that would be a great thing to do. And then Jeff called me and I said, hey, man, why did you pick up the phone and call me? I why guess call me all, yourself. They also had to. Uh, well, I can't. I can't. I was about to say something I probably shouldn't say that they had to clear. So I'm not going to say that. I'm OK. Gonna, yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, it, like I said, it, it'd be, you know, because in, in season one, it's implied that that version of Jay Garrick was was killed in that battle that they mentioned, uh, you know, in showing that. But all the but, you know, just like in any kind of television show like this, unless you see the death on screen, it never actually happened. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's the implications that Jay Garrick could still be alive. So. I I know you you can't say much, so you don't obviously don't answer me. But I'm very curious to see which version of Jay Garrick are we getting? Are we getting the Earth Two version? Are we getting the Earth Prime version crossing over somehow? I'm I'm really excited to see where this happens. To see yeah. what happens. Yeah, I'll tell you. When I got that script, I thought, "Wow, this is." It was not only I don't want to say it was dark because you know it's Star Girl. You know it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 built around uh, this very wonderful uh, teenage, uh, you know, Breck and uh, teenager. Um, but there were dark elements about it. And there was a depth and a weight to it that I thought, wow, this is more than I really expected it to be. And um, although knowing Jeff Johns, I, you know, I knew it would be good. That's why I agreed before I ever read the first word. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I got it. I was like, I mean, forget my scenes. You know, I'm going, wow, this is, I'm reading the whole thing and I'm totally absorbed and I'm so excited for people to tune in starting August 10th. They've announced I'll be in the ninth episode, but don't wait for me. Yeah. Jump in August 10th, you know, and let's welcome Star Girl exclusively to the CW. Yeah, I'm 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 really excited for season two. I really enjoyed season one. You you know, you mentioned the, the darkness that you read in, in just that particular episode. I think that's one of the things that kind of really drew me to that first season, because even in the first season, there are a little darker elements to that story. And I think that kind of is what drew me in a little bit is because they have that little bit of darkness involved in it. Yeah, and I think it's a, I mean, I think Luke Wilson and Jeff have done a wonderful thing. And I, I talked to Luke a little bit about this. I, 
I was like, I hope you enjoy playing this part because you're so good at it. And I said, and there's not another character exactly like what you two are creating, who is simultaneously. And it's one reason, as I was differentiating my relationship with the different members of the Justice Society, I was like, okay, what is Jay's relationship to Stripesy? What is his relationship to Pat? How does he feel about Pat? And Luke and Jeff have created this wonderful combination of, of being a superhero and yet having this deep humility almost veering into personal insecurity and self-doubt mm-hmm. about himself. And there's such a vulnerability that they have created in this superhero that I said, there's no other character you know, in superhero uh, entertainment uh, on screen or TV that I can really say, yeah, that's that character. No, I said, you're creating something that I think is is unique unto itself. Yeah, and I think one of the other things I really enjoy about Stargirl, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how it's handled, you know, when your character finally comes in, is, you know, we've gotten... In, in the other CW shows, you know, like The Flash and Arrow, we've kind of gotten new, like updated versions of these characters that we've already had before. You know, we've got an updated version of The Flash and an updated version of Green Arrow, updated Superman and, and so on. But Stargirl seems to be the one show that's kind of passing the baton. You know, they've introduced all these. They showed that these classes classic Justice Society characters already existed. And now we're not getting updated versions of those characters. We're getting new people, new characters that are taking up the mantle of those characters instead. Yes. Yes, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And I love the scenes between Luke and Breck where like he's saying, um, you know, like you got to balance out your life here. You got to, you have this but you also, you need to go to school. You need to get good grades. You need to have a career. And she says, yeah, a career is a superhero. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, all right. Yeah. That, so, it, that dynamic between Breck and Luke is, is so great too. I mean, you take, you take what's already a stressful situation as in a stepfather and stepdaughter situation yes. where there's already resentment there. And now you're throwing in this entirely new dynamic of, superheroics and superpowers in which he's trying to if anything put the brakes a little bit on what she can do and give it time to develop that that is you're right it's a it's already a a built-in kind of tension Mm -hmm. there and now you're just piling on top of it and it's you know it, it just makes for such an interesting viewing uh, yeah. And I'm so I'm so glad that you said episode nine, too, because that was actually going to be one of my questions is when can we expect to see? you? Yeah, uh, it, it's kind of a shame we have to wait nine weeks. But you're right. I mean, the, the rest of the show leading up to those nine weeks are going to be yes. just as good. So it's going to be fantastic. You know, it's like people who've never watched Stargirl. I say the same thing to them now that I've been a part of it and I've been on the set and I see it's got that new show crackle. You know, everybody shows up with their A game because everybody really wants to work. Mm-hmm. You know, that new show feeling, energy, uh, vibe. And uh, and I say, listen, I'll say the same thing I did for The Flash when people were unsure before the CW Flash premiered. They were like, well, I don't know about this. It's to this. It's to that. He's to this. He's to that. I said, look, just do me a favor. You like my version. I'm just going to ask you one thing 
watch the first episode. Just watch it and then make your decision. I've had so many people in the case of The Flash tell me, you were so right. Because I was on the fence about this new version of The Flash, but then I watched the pilot episode and I was so drawn in to the lives of these people. Not only the superheroics, but the lives of these people, you know, that yeah. that my uh, wife or my girlfriend or somebody who isn't even a comic book fan who watched it with me is now also drawn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it. You bring up that 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 as well because I, oddly enough, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm I'm in my early forties now, but I still enjoy spending time with my mother every chance I get. So once a week I, I spend, you know, time with my mother and have dinner. And one of the things that we always do every time she comes over and we have dinner is we watch that week's episode of the flash. God, I love that. I you know? just love that. I love the legacy on so many levels because there's a legacy clearly in the comics mm -hmm. that these group of writers and producers who are lifelong comic fans are honoring and they love revealing and exploring the legacy. And, uh, and then the audience has its own legacy because I've had so many people come up to me and said, I used to watch your show in the nineties with my dad, or in one case in Ecuador with a brother who died. And then she started weeping in my arms. And now I'm watching the new flash with my child. And you're the thread that runs through that tapestry. So the audience has its own legacy going, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, I enjoy that connection. You know, I've gotten my my mother into it's funny, like I'm the one that got her into watching them. So like I said, when she comes over, we watch The Flash and we watch Superman and Lois, which is another it, amazing it's show. So right good, now. isn't it? It's it's I, I think it's uh, it's it's towards the top, along with The Flash of my favorite of the CW shows right now. Yeah. It's 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 so beautifully done. Tyler is just knocking it out of the park. As, yes. As Superman and Clark, he's just he's he's so good. And uh, well, we knew from the days of Team Wolf that he was going to be a star. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, I I knew. Funny enough, I knew Tyler. I didn't know him at the time, but I I go back. I'm one of those people that when I rewatch movies, I always get a kick out of seeing people in earlier movies before they even became known or anything. And yes. Tyler was in one of my favorite Tom Hanks movies, which is Road to Perdition. <sighs> He's he's Tom Hanks' son in Road to Perdition. Uh -huh. So it's always fun going back and, and seeing that kind of thing, too. But yeah, you're right. The legacy is always there. I hope one day. I mean, again, I'm in my early 40s. I hope to have kids one day and I'll sit down on the couch and watch these shows even long after the series have ended. I'll go back and revisit these shows. And I'm sure in another 10 to 20 years, if not sooner, there'll be another version updated of these characters and they'll sure. live on. They'll continue sure. to live on. It's like opera. They yep. keep, it keeps going with different cast members. Yeah, same thing with Broadway. And, you know, they just replace the, 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 the cast and keep the show going. The show never and you changes. Have a whole, and you have a no, whole new experience. That's why when people said, does it feel like you're, does it feel familiar coming back to The Flash? How does it feel coming back? Does it feel familiar? And I said, I always say, I may even said on your show before, it feels like in the sense that you're coming up to a house that looks very familiar. And then you open the door and everything is different. The staircase is in a different place. The fireplace is over here. It's all different furniture, different wallpaper. It's a whole discovery 
of mm-hmm. what this new telling is. You know, yeah. I was, when I first heard that Henry Allen was wrongfully convicted of killing his wife in front of a 10 year old Barry, that blew my mind that Jeff Johns had kind of blown up the Allen family in that way. And that's when I became interested mm-hmm. in becoming a part of the new show because I was like, hell, that's a, that's a character I would want to play. You know, if I'd never been the flash, you know, yeah. it's just a great set of circumstances to play. And even like you mentioned too, about telling people that you met, like uh, who were unsure about the flash when it first started of give it one episode. Like if I heard from you at that time, if I was a fan of that nineties flash that you were a part of and you know, John Wesley ship is telling me, give this new flash a a go. I don't need any more validation than that. Like that's enough for me to be like, okay, (laughs) done. If he's on board and he's a part of it, there's no reason for me not to trust that it's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. Well, it's like uh, Mark Hamill, even when they asked yeah. him to come back, he said, you know, uh, he said, he, I figured I would be coming back as some associate of uh, Henry Allen. But I when they said they wanted me to be the trickster, I was like, what? You know, I, I um, still want to see an episode with the two of you kind of like hash, battling it out again. I know that That's, would be so much fun. Yeah. But he trusted because he knows these guys. He knew Berlani Productions and mm-hmm. Jeff Johns at the time, Andrew Kreisberg and the whole team. And he trusted that what they would come up with would be something he would want to play. And they did. Yeah. So it's just, it's been so great watching. And I love that the legacy continues on. And now with your character moving into Stargirl and, or making appearances in the Stargirl, I'm like, I don't care if it's a different J, if it's the same J, I'm on board. Doesn't matter. I'm I'm here for it. Uh, you know, this being the, the premiere of the, my seventh year, I haven't done any of these for about 18 months because of everything that's been going on. And I know you're back to shooting. You shot The Flash with all these new restrictions and guidelines. You did the same thing again with Stargirl. How has that been? Like, how has that changed the dynamic of when you were on set, you know, on The Flash or other projects before COVID now post pandemic how how has that changed through a year where everything was wiped off the board we were supposed to do another hallmark movie ruby herring mysteries that got wiped off i had eight personal appearances all over the all over the place they got Mm. wiped off the board i was supposed to do a play i was workshopping another play i remember that too i remember you telling me about that it just all got pushed aside and my first time back in the saddle was actually stargirl because we shot that in February. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, it was kind of now it was a whole different experience when I went to Vancouver because the COVID uh, protocols were so strict. They were very strict and observant and had someone on set and a minimum amount of quarantine, but had to be tested two, three times a week and have to wear your mask when you're not actually shooting. But, um, Man, when I got to Canada, it's like they meet you at the plane. It's like they whisk you off to a government hotel for three days while they're getting the results of the tests that they take. And then you have to go isolate. I don't mean quarantine. I mean, isolate. They drop your food at the door. Yeah, I've seen other people talk about that, too. For an additional 11 days. So for 14 days, I was in isolation in Vancouver. I was up there for six weeks before before we started to shoot. So that was very challenging. Um, I I think at one time, Canada had made it so that if you have your vaccination, 
the travel is a bit easier, but I don't know going into the Delta variant what what that's going to be like. Now, I, I know I'm supposed to go to Texas. I'm not supposed to. I am going. I've decided. I've talked to their COVID protocol person and safety measures and capacity limits and and I'm going to Texas to uh, Hill Country Comic Con in New Braunfels, Texas, uh, next weekend. They'll be there August 14th and 15th. Okay. Um, but of course, being Texas, a lot of the protocols are suggestions. Yeah, they're not mandates. So, they're they're you can do this if you want to, kind of. And of course, what ends up having is all the conscientious people who probably are fine are going to follow the suggestions and all the, you know, it's all yep. the people most in danger and, you know, are not, but, you know, a lot of it falls, the responsibility falls on me because I know I did a convention, my first personal appearance back in June in West Virginia. And, um, you know, you get so swept up in the moment and I'm a very hands-on person. I don't stay behind my table. You know, the ships are very, you know, hand on shoulder. Come on, let's take a photo op. Mm -hmm. You know, if they want to hug, I'm a hugger. I'm, you know, it's like, and, but I'm going to really have to be more, and I got swept up in West Virginia because I figured, hey, I'm vaccinated. I'm bulletproof. Now we know there are as with any virus and any vaccine, there are breakthrough, uh, although it's very rare compared to if you're not vaccinated. So you're mm. so much safer. As even Lindsey Graham said, he said, I'm so glad I got vaccinated because if I hadn't, my symptoms right now would be so much worse. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, uh, in Texas now, which is, you know, they're struggling, Florida and Texas have a third of the new cases in the surge. So I've got to be mindful to stay behind my table, to meet people, but not, you know, throw myself into the crowd, you know, not yeah. jump off the stage <laughs> in my Q and A and be lifted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Crowd surfing through your autograph no, line no, no, and, no, no, no. and everything out. else. I, I totally get what you're saying though, too, because I, I too have started returning to events. I actually got hired as the programming director for an event that's happening down in Atlanta in September next month. And, you know, we're kind of getting ahead of the curve a little bit as we actually just instituted, we had a meeting about it on Wednesday, uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, Wednesday morning, and we just instituted yesterday the new Delta variant policies in that masks have to be worn on the con floor now. Uh, if you do not have a, if you did not purchase an autograph or a photo op, you are not to be in the line. We have a strict no touch policy now. So there's no hugs or anything like uh, that, well, you yeah. know, which is a shame because that's something that people, a lot of people. It know, is a shame because breaking to. through that fourth wall is one of the things that's been for me such a yummy experience about yeah. personal appearances that suddenly you get to reach out and touch someone, you know, in the, in the words of the song, you know, reach out and touch somebody's <laughs> yeah. hand, you know, make this world a better place if you can, you know? Um, and, and so uh, uh, in West Virginia, I was like, that lasted for about half an hour. And then I was going around the table. We were taking our masks off for selfies. They're not doing photo ops. Uh, selfies are up to us if mm -hmm. we do them at the table or not. But I thought, you know, 
I know a way that the convention could do photo ops specifically with the flash and be safe for everybody and have it work. The flash of two worlds. Oh, that's great. That pose between the two of you. They you're not yet. Yeah, you're not touching. Card, and we have a cardboard partition with bricks drawn yeah. on it, drawn on it. And we're on opposite side and have a sign that says the flash of two worlds. Oh, that's genius. So I made that recommendation. If they'll come up with, if they'll decide to do it or not, we'll see. Yeah. Oh, see, I would. And as somebody who's such a fan of not just the flash, but of yours, that would be a killer photo op. Like, I don't see why somebody would not do that. And we're all, you know, in our poses. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I would, I would even, I mean, if, if I knew ahead of time, that was going to be the pose. I would bring, I have the kettle helmet. I would bring the kettle helmet with me. Absolutely. To have one of us wear it and just sit there in that pose. And that would be great. Absolutely. So, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's such an interesting world because like I said, like it's, you know, you've, you've returned to cons. I've returned to events. I, I don't, as, as much as this surge is happening, I don't foresee another lockdown across the country. So events are going to continue to happen. It, you know, these vaccine mandates are, are going to roll out hopefully more and more across the country so more that we can more. get this a little bit more under control. That's the key. And then maybe by next year, we can be back to hugging the people that we want to hug. Because you're right, breaking that fourth wall, that tactile connection. Thank you. Is what really makes that, con you know, because when you see somebody on television all the time and then you get the opportunity to meet them, you're still just looking at them if you don't get to touch them. Exactly. Shake a hand, fist bump, do something. Exactly. You know? I remember so, when I was on daytime TV in the early 80s, along with Julianne Moore and Kevin Bacon, and all these great actors. Um, uh, people, you're in their living rooms three to five times a week. And people would, when they would recognize me, they were like, what are you doing out here? <laughs> what are you doing outside the box? Get back in the box! <laughs> yeah, you know, I we mentioned earlier that you live in a very metropolitan city. Do you, do you get recognized a lot when you walk around? Yes, I did uh, this morning when I was on my way to the subway. Yeah. Did you really it kind of comes in waves, you know, and I don't know if it's something about my energy, but when I'm really feeling really good and my aura or my energy is out, I, I get recognized a lot. If I'm yeah. a little bit sleepy or drawn in, but then I get people who write me on social media. God, I saw you on the subway and I, I, I just didn't want to bother you or say hi. But I said, next time, say hi. Yeah. <laughs> it, costs, you, it costs nobody nothing, you know, to wave or tip of the hat or. Yeah. And you've always been I mean, you've always been great with interacting with fans, both in public that I've seen you at conventions and online. I mean, I remember I don't know if you remember this or not, but a couple of weeks ago, I you know, I fought, we're not friends on Facebook, but I follow you on Facebook. And I posted a video of that. Somebody edited into all the nineties versions of the oh, characters. Yeah, 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 yeah. They edited them all together. As the Absolutely. Justice League. Yeah. And I, and I, I shared that on your, on your timeline and you know, you yes, liked I, it. And I, I was like, that. that was like, that's great. He saw it. I know he saw it. That works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want people to know. Uh, that I do check in. I don't always respond or sometimes I'll respond. I'll take the shortcut, you know, the lazy man's out. I'll respond with an emoji or a lightning mm -hmm. bolt and a heart or thank you, you know, but I want people to know that I see them because they are gracious enough and are supportive enough to see me 
that I feel that it's the least that I can try to offer back as much as I can. Yeah. Uh, just a quick answer. I know when I posted on, so when I post on social media, the past times I've had you on, it, it's always interesting to see like what people recognize you as. Like I know some people recognize you as the nineties flash, <sighs> others, the new ones. I had a bunch of people say that he's from Dawson's Creek. What, what do you find if you get recognized on the street, people recognize you more for? I think since it's so current, uh, it's mostly the flash now, okay. but I get astounded people that will go. And this happened last week when I was on like the corner of, on my way to the gym, the corner of Broadway and 54th. And some, this guy stopped and he went, John Wesley ship. The Flash. He was like, wow. <laughs> and we're talking. And then this older guy comes by and goes, Kelly Nelson, Guiding Light. <laughs> and, well, that was 1980. I wouldn't recognize me from that, you know. But I could use, I used to be able a little bit closer to the time when I did Teen Wolf and was that psycho dad. I could tell what people were fans of by the way they approached me. <laughs> if they yeah, approached sure. me like, you know, that was the flash. If they approached me like sad, oh, that was Dawson's Creek. And if they were like, ah, <laughs> a little skeptical, oh, yeah, the approach. like, Teen Wolf. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You, yeah, that's, I'm sure you could just look at somebody and know where they recognize you from at that point. So um, I know we're, we're getting close to the end, but I'm something I'm personally curious about. I was such a fan of Powder Burns. Um, ah. it, you know, I mentioned it's an, it's a, you won a ton of awards for Powder Burns. It was yes. such a great Western story, uh, you know, scripted, uh, scripted podcast. Any ideas for possibly bringing it back for, for more story or developing it into something different? I would love that. We're all involved, including the creator, David Gregory, mm -hmm. uh, who was a star on One Life to Live. In fact, I played his father, the evil psycho dad, Eddie Ford, on One Life to Live in 2010, 2012. And uh, he wrote it. It was his concept. He wrote it, produced it, and also played my deputy uh, in the, in the series. And yes, you're right. We won voice arts awards. We wrote, we won society of local arts and sciences award at uh, Lincoln center. Um, and it was a great experience, you know, have Ed Asner come in and yeah. do our last episode and, and to work with Robert Vaughn on an episode before his death, you know, yeah. what a, what a treat. And, uh, but David had written the play about the lifelong friendship of That's Henry right. Fonda yeah. and uh, Jimmy Stewart, despite vast political differences and romantic rivalries. We were workshopped that in New Orleans. We had Broadway producers attached and then everything fell apart. So yeah. I know he's got another project, which is circling, uh, which is making the, the route in. So it all depends on what he has the creative energy to do because I, you know, I've learned from experience anytime David Gregory has a project or wants me to be involved in something, you know, I will do it, you know, but I think it, yeah, that's a thing. What do we do? The episodes got a lot of feedback on. Those. Yeah. I, I was, I was, I recommended that to so many people when that was out because I, I knew that it was coming. I knew, I, we had you one time on the DC primetime podcast, right as powder burns, right before powder burns was debuting. And then I remember listening to it and I, I couldn't wait for the next episode to come out. And 
you know, yeah. I, and then I remember when we had you on for the, the final episode of DC Primetime, we did, you did mention the play between Henry Fonda and Jenry Stewart and that dynamic. And I, I do know you were workshopping that at the time. So hopefully that comes back around because that would be something I'd be interested in, in going to see. I hope so. I had done, interestingly enough, since the character was played by Henry Fonda, who I was playing in Hank and Jim Build a Plane. Um, I had done 12 Angry Men at the uh, Judson Theater in Pinehurst, North Carolina. And it was such a wonderful, exhilarating experience. In one instance, they had uh, the Moorhead Scholarship Program had taken five area high schools, bought them to play. They studied it in context of the Bill of Rights. So they knew what issue we were dealing with at what point of the play and what the conversation was centering on, what constitutional right. And man, you know, we had like six to 800 high school students at one performance, and they were one of our absolute best audiences. Man, they were hanging on every word. They knew at every turn the context that the play was written in and what mm -hmm. we were saying as performers. And at the end of that play, the roof blew off the theater, you know, practically yeah. from yeah. the response. So I know that, uh, that the artistic director has expressed interest uh, this winter. Again, we'll see what happens with the theater protocols, but I'm very hopeful, you know, people resist like a vaccination passport, but you know, that's our way to open up and get back together again. Yeah. You know, if everyone can do proof of vaccinations and we can be reasonably comfortable, that we'll be reasonably safe, you know, then the, the faster things will open up and we'll all get back to normal. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I have, it's, it's sitting right over here. It's, it's hanging. I have a whole collection of lanyards from when I did conventions, like all the badges and everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, I have yeah, like yeah. easily like, like 50 badges hanging over here from all the events <laughs> I've done. And oh. I have hanging with it is my vaccination card in a laminate on a lanyard. I hear because you. I'm, I'm one of those people that I'm like, well, you know what, if I have to present it fine, I I'm more than happy. What a great that. idea. What a great yeah. idea. I used to have about 40 or 50 of those uh, lanyards. I've got to look and see if I finally box them up or if I still have them accessible. What a great idea. Slip it in a lanyard. Then you yeah. have your, your card right there. Yep. I have it. I have it in a, in a laminate that's perfectly sized for that. And it's, it's on a lanyard. So when I travel to Atlanta in September, I'll have it with me. So if by the time I'm in Atlanta, if Atlanta has a vaccine mandate, which hopefully they will, or even to travel next next month, it's required. I'm prepared, and yeah. there you go. I'm good to go. Good deal. Uh, any projects besides your appearance in you know at the con in Texas? Any other projects coming up? We can no, go along no, with our girl. I, I uh, no, I have. Uh, you know, it's like I have next season of Flash to look forward to. I have, you know, I told Jeff Johns, I so enjoyed working on that show. It was like, write me an arc, man. I'll come back. <laughs> you know, Luke Wilson was like, see you next time. I was like, from your mouth to God's ears. So um, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But um, no, I've lined up some personal appearances. Of course, the November personal appearances are very iffy at this point. Although mm -hmm. I heard that even with the Delta, the last I read, uh, London's uh, case count was going down. They expected it to go up. Uh, but I have London uh, Comic-Con. I have uh, Toulouse, France. I'm Ooh, supposed to go to okay. in November. I'm going to Texas next month. I'm going to Morgantown. Uh, and that's Mountain Country Comic-Con with Michelle in okay, September. Okay. 
in September. So those 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 are the things I have to look forward to right now. Hopefully they put the two of you on stage together for a panel, because I'm sure that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did that in Denver. And it was crazy. Yeah. We were like acting out scenes. I was lying on the floor, like re recreating the moment <laughs> of Laura's death. You know, it's well, I, it, interestingly enough, I mean, when I mentioned earlier with, you know, that that interview we did with Michelle in Harrisburg with Matt Lesher and Brett Dalton that crashed it. The reason why Brett had crashed was because I had moderated a panel with Matt and Michelle uh, on, on one time on Saturday. And then because I was the moderator for the entire weekend. So every panel, I was the, oh, the house moderator God, that kept you busy. Oh, yeah. And then I, I moderated another another panel later with Brett Dalton and Max Hernandez from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Michelle and Brett's tables happened to be next to each other. And I remember like they started a conversation about whose panel was better at like who's they, whose audiences were better. And I remember on Sunday walking up a staircase with the, the con director and like him telling me, he's like, yeah, he's like Michelle and Brett were having like friendly debate over whose panel was better. Like Michelle's or Brett's. And I was like, yeah, I heard that yesterday. He's like, no, it's still going. It's he's like, still they're going. still doing it today. My so panel was better than yours yeah and that's what it, like they kept outdoing each other like brett at one point would told michelle he's like yeah well that's great that the audience had gave you a standing ovation but he brought me out and i landed in a chopper like they just kept one-upping each other and it was so much fun to hear it and be a part of that interaction it was so great oh yeah so uh john i can't thank you enough you're always so generous with your time um well, I, thank I hope you, Ben. It's always good to talk to you because I don't feel like I'm being interviewed. I just feel like we're hanging out and talking about something that we're both involved, very much involved with and very much love. Yeah. And, and that's always my point is I, I never call these interviews. I call them conversations because Conf that's what I like them to be. Yes. Yeah. Uh, any, it, where can people find you online if they want to follow you? Like if, if you're on Instagram or, you know, if you don't want to be bothered with my opinions about life and things and politics and all, whatever subject pops into my wee little head, follow me on Instagram. <laughs> okay. I have one respite where people can go, where it's just some personal stuff, family stuff, any of my conventions, pictures from conventions, pictures from the set. That's my Instagram account. And the handle there is John Wesley Ship Jr. Because okay. there was already a John Wesley Ship, but I'm verified. Who took um, that name? Seriously. There was a high school football player from Refugio, Texas. And I began getting his Google alerts. And they were, he was a linebacker in high school. And I began, John Wesley Ship makes amazing, you know, play in finals at state. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, what? Who is this guy? So uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe him. I don't know. But he was born, interestingly enough, right around the time I was doing Guiding Light. So I didn't know if that had an impact on his uh, on his family or not. But yeah, so that's that's a place. Uh, Facebook, I get into it a little more. And of course, because it's the nature of the beast, Twitter, I engage both professionally and personally mm -hmm. and engage in conversations and post things that I personally, others may disagree, but I personally feel are important to be amplified. But if you don't want any of that to be bothered with any of that, and then follow me on Instagram. Okay. So, uh, John, again, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure.
to talk to Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Thanks so much. And have a great season seven. I, I hope to do that. Uh, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you, as always, for being a part of this great audience. I'm so excited to jump into seven, my seventh year of doing this. Uh, but until next time, we'll see you guys in the next spotlight. Take care. Take care.